Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception of the Show. We're back, baby. Matt, we're back. And we took a week off. Uh, much needed uh, time to recharge the batteries here, but uh, but we're back, and um, and we're going to be hitting this thing pretty hard. This I, this is what I've told people. This is where Matt Harmon shines, man. This is where Matt Harmon differentiates himself from the other football analysts out there. Uh, and I and I know for you in particular. You just loved going through the charting of both pro and, and the prospects, too. Yeah, and this time of year, it's funny because I feel like, and maybe th- maybe this is like saying too much about, uh, about I don't know, the, my own thoughts in my head at this, this time of year, but I feel okay. like 90% of the people want me to just be charting prospects right now. Um, but be- and, <laughs> more, and more than I 90%. Did, probably like 98% yeah. of people. Yeah, exactly. That, that being said, uh, I did start charting prospects earlier this year, and we've talked a little bit about that on the show, and we'll, we'll hit on at least one prospect in this show uh, later on today. So so I am I am more ahead on prospects than I usually am. Yeah. Um, but because of the way like I, I like to roll things out on the site, free agents yeah. do come first. Um, and that includes guys that get franchised, like one guy we will again talk about mm-hmm. later on this show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, just at this point, because I know I need a clear process and, and also like in a couple of weeks, you know, free agency will be a big thing and people want to know about these guys. So I do think it's helpful to do the free agents first, but it is always just funny this time of year that the juggling between like, all right, people really want the rookies and I, I am getting them up uh, on the site earlier than ever. And that, that is great. I'm, I'm excited 100%. about this year's prospects. Um, but while everybody's like, you know, fully talking about the combine right now and, and fully right. debating like this guy versus this guy, I am here like, all right, let's talk about T Higgins and Mike Evans and, and like maybe some Darnell Mooney in a couple of weeks. Because <laughs> that's, cause that's oh, crazy, God. baby. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Um, I love it. Yeah. I think 98% probably are, are more concerned 
about the prospects uh, and and especially this year too, Matt, you talk about being a little bit earlier this year. You're going to have to be a little bit earlier this year because there's so many guys in this class that are really, really interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. in just a minute here, but, uh, but we did talk uh, about some free agent wide receivers. I, I think the, the two guys at the top of the list, it's however you want to prioritize these guys, whether it's age or talent, whatever it is. But T. Higgins, Mike Evans, I think will be at the top of pretty much everybody's list here. T. Higgins did get tagged. Um, and then once he got tagged, Matt, I mean, speculation just running rampant that a tag and trade is possible. I don't know. Can you walk me through that? Because I'm a little bit confused. Like, why would a tag then also mean a trade is imminent? I I guess I just don't personally see that. Yeah, so I think, first of all, I had said that the three receivers uh, that are probably the best receivers that are, quote, eligible for free agency this year are not likely to hit the open market. Uh, That is T. Higgins, Mike Evans, and Michael Pittman. Um, We'll talk about Mike Evans in a minute. He's the one I've kind of changed my perspective on. But it always felt like T. Higgins was not actually going to hit free agency because, number one, um, players that good just don't hit free agency. It's very rare that guys that are – and and we can talk here in a second because I've charted out T. Higgins' 2023 data. It's obviously going to be on the site on March 4th, uh, I believe, Monday, March 4th or March 5th, uh, when the the free agency drop comes just because he's still a franchise-type player. He gets included in that drop. Um, and, and, you know, we could talk about where he ranks, but again, I, I think consensusly he, he's probably like a top 20 ish receiver in the league guys that good to just don't hit, they don't hit free agency period. This is not how it works. Like, so especially guys that are in the prime of their career, like Mike right. Evans is different because of the age that he's at. And it's just like teams have every incentive in the world to con- to control the, the rights on the player. Like the Bengals do, they can slap the franchise mm-hmm. tag on him, which is $21 million this year for wide receivers, right around that $21 million range. Um, you know, if T. Higgins hit the open market, he might make damn near $30 million because, again, the the way the position is a premium, the way that he is uh, he, he's so good, and, and that he is squarely in the prime of his career. So the Bengals have every incentive to franchise tag him. I think they will listen to trade offers. Um, I think any idea that it's imminent or he's definitely getting traded is probably just take clock because people thought that was going to happen for some reason. But I don't think people realize that for this year, the Bengals had over $50 million in cap space before Mm -hmm. uh, the projected or before the cap was 30 million more than it was projected to be. Uh, So right right now, well, actually, no. So right now they're at 50 million, but they were already – with just flush with cap resources this year so they can afford to do this while still also staring down the expensive years of burrow later on and then obviously trying to get jamar chase under contract at some point here yeah i mean there's just so many moving parts but um i i'm kind of with you in that um is it like an off-season you know take cannon type of thing to say that t higgins the trade speculation is running rampant now because because again, I, I was kind of looking at these figures. I'm kind of looking at you know down the road, um, you know what the what the figures are looking at for for the Bengals, and yeah, I guess I just don't see it. You know, mm-hmm. like I guess I just don't see. Look, we we've been through this here recently, right? With Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown, these are guys that wanted deals, they didn't get deals, and in the end, they ended up getting traded. Chiefs and Titans moved on from Tyreek and AJ Brown. I think both receivers 
obviously were looking for these new deals that they just could not come. They, they got to an impasse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the haul for both of these guys was just enormous. It's just different with T. Higgins because as much as we like him and you, and as much as Matt is, is here telling you, and I'm agreeing, I'm shaking my head, yeah, yeah, yeah. T. Higgins is a great player. Top 20-ish is what Matt is saying, right? Um, and these kind of players don't generally hit the market, and you're right, but the trade market for them too is also not as robust as it would be for a Tyreek and an A.J. Brown, two right. guys that I think would be and have shown to be transformative players. I think T. Higgins is a good player, you know, but he's not a transformative player. And that's why I don't think teams would be lining up to be offering a king's ransom to, to the Bengals to, to pry away T. Higgins. I don't know. That's just, that's just where I kind of stand on it. Yeah, some of the early whispers have been maybe a late first or an early second. Um, Everybody wants to connect the Carolina Panthers to this because they own the 33rd overall pick in the draft. They obviously do not own their number one overall pick, but they they do own that second rounder, which is, for all intents and purposes, it's not a a true first rounder because you don't get that fifth-year option, but it's still a very valuable pick for a team like Cincinnati if you were to to make this deal. Um, But, yeah, just I'm totally with you that there is – not just a gap from the A.J. Browns and Tyree Kills. And, I mean, if you want to take it all the way back to Stephon Diggs when he got traded, there's not just right. a gap between where those guys are and T. Higgins. In my opinion, there is a significant gap from, from those guys to T. Higgins. Now, that that doesn't mean that, I like we're talking about, I don't think that T. Higgins is a really good player because I do think he's a really good player. But we also don't even have proof of concept of uh, him being like a number one receiver. Whereas oh, obviously true. with Tyreek and AJ right. Brown, we have like a true f- proof of concept of that. Right, um, right, right. I think any idea that T Higgins would be a number one without Jamar Chase around there is purely a hypothetical. The also the complicating part of this with T Higgins is that I mean he did not have a very good year last year. Even when you go back into um, reception perception, like again I told you I just charted out his, his data. Uh, 68.7% success rate versus man coverage. That's his lowest mark since his rookie year. 68.8% success rate versus press. That's the lowest mark of his career. 73.9% wow. success rate versus zone. That's the lowest mark of his career. Um, now, I'm not holding this. And th- this is difficult, too, because I don't know how much to hold that against T. Higgins. And I don't mm. even know if teams will care about that because we know he was dealing with all kinds of injuries throughout the season and was, was clearly playing lower than 100%. Um, right. And he is also not as – this is why Jamar Chase is just so much more of a valuable player than him. Um, and, and anybody who's ever thought that there isn't a gap between those two players is crazy. Like, right. T. Higgins can really can only do um, – and it's a very valuable thing, but he's really just – he's a vertical – throwback even though he doesn't just purely play x because jamar can play x he's like that throwback combative like not possession but like a vertical x receiver that's going to contested catch guy situation Mm -hmm. yes and he wasn't that good in contested situations last year again because interesting i I don't know what was going on there but it just like i think some health factors are there so that's what makes t higgins complicated right now i I, again if i was a team like if i was carolina and i was considering moving the 33rd overall pick for t higgins Mm -hmm. I don't know that I care that he didn't have his best season last year because you can't explain it away via injuries. Yeah. And I think a guy that's 
in his era of in the area of his career that he's in right now, you're probably not going to sit there and say like, Oh, he's a declining player or, Oh, we've already seen the best. of Higgins. That, that would be <laughs> right, nonsense, right. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. just something to note of why this is complicated right now. Um, because anybody trying to get traded, uh, you want to be coming or going into free agency. You want to be coming yeah. off your best season. Um, even from an individual perspective, like the, the Joe Burrow injury, the quarterback stuff aside, T. Higgins was just not at his best last year. So let me give some background information here. First of all, he's going into his age 25 season. Okay, so obviously a very young man. Um, He started playing football in the NFL at 21 years old, right? So a a very young man is T. Higgins. Um, Again, you talk about some of these career low marks. And and again, that, that was reflected in the counting stats as well, right? A 55% catch rate clearly... Uh, well below his you know career average of about 65% coming into the year. Um, he had 656 yards receiving this following back-to-back 1,000-yard campaigns in 2021 and 2022. So, yeah, the counting stats were down. But all of this to me, Matt, um, I'm actually surprised that Cincinnati did not make, I don't want to say an aggressive push, to, to have a long-term contract extension done in, in place. But I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't push harder for it because when a player is down like this, what is the true market for a player like this, right? Um, and I think that the Bengals probably could have if they were, again, pretty aggressive about it, like locked him in for a deal that, I don't know, wouldn't have been as crazy as people would have thought it would be, you know, for T. So I'm a little bit surprised that, that uh, Cincinnati decided to, to go the, um, the franchise tag route and try to kick this can down the road because, bro, if he puts on a big-time year in, in 2024, then for sure they're not going to be able to afford T. Higgins. You know what I mean? Well, I think the Bengals are looking at it a couple of different directions, which, one, I mean, I do think that just t- tagging him right now does tell teams like if you want to make us a big offer for T Higgins, I do I do think they would listen to a to an offer for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. T. I right. think I think that is on the table. Um, at the same time, you know, if they do want to, and Zach Taylor was quick to come out, which is this is what you do as the coach, you come out and you quickly say, <laughs> T Higgins has been a great part of our team, and I can't wait for him to continue uh-huh. to be a yep. big part of our team. Totally. Like you Absolutely. don't come out there and say like, yeah, we're you know all this tag and trade stuff. Of course, that's not what yeah, a coach yeah, is going to yeah. say. It's not what he should say. Um, but so he's he's. And I think the Bengals will also keep that kind of conversation going with T. Higgins of we tagged you to extend you at some point. Like just because they put the tag on doesn't mean that they can't extend it. I think they have until July to actually fully give him a contract extension. Um, And also tagging him just – if you can't get a trade done and, and maybe you don't want to get a trade done, which I think is defensible, then you just have T. Higgins around for one more year. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think it's complicated – the the future salary part of this because if you sign T Higgins to a top of market deal, um, which if I'm T Higgins and you don't offer me a, t- a top of market deal this year, I playing under the tag sucks. Nobody, no one likes to play under the franchise tag because of the right. lack of long term security. But at the same time, if I'm healthier this year and Burrow's healthier this year, you're right, James, that he's probably going to ball out and then get a top of market deal. Right. Uh, elsewhere if he's if he's able to hit free agency because they can't franchise tag him so if i'm t higgins maybe i have an incentive to to try to like oh yeah not to, to oh, not yeah. take a hometown discount this year and then it gets really complicated because i think 
allocating all those resources to three players, Burrow, Chase, because Chase is a guy you're definitely going to want to get a deal done yeah. with. And yep. T, that is just that's a lot to 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 three players there, um, and you will then make a lot of concessions um, throughout the course throughout the rest of your roster. And we already yep. saw that kind of come to fruition on the defense this year, where there were guys that they said goodbye to. There were there was some kind of erosion down the spine of the defense, and the defense was terrible this year, and, and it was a big reason. Um, obviously the Burrow injury being the biggest reason, but you know, they sacrificed on the defense to sign Orlando Brown. And, and that's just kind of the push and pull of roster building. And again, if you're going to have Higgins and chase under contract at, at big top near top market deals, that there's going to be a lot of pulling in one direction. Okay. So you said Mike Evans, it's funny. You mentioned uh, Michael Pittman too, because God, he's really the player where I just wasn't even considering him. Uh, yeah. In regards to free agency, it, it, that just seems like it's just there's no chance in hell Pittman is leaving Indianapolis. But uh, you mentioned Mike Evans as well. Um, now, all of a sudden, it, uh, you know, it seems as if Mike Evans is likely to move on from Tampa Bay as they try to kind of, you know, um, reconfigure their roster a little bit. I don't know if I'd say he's likely to move on, but he is probably going to test the market. Um, since we recorded this news was reported that the bucks are likely going to use the franchise tag for on Antoine Winfield, um, who is a safety, who's a stud pro bowl snub this past year. Um, and the tag for safeties is much cheaper than the tag for receivers. So you slap that tag on Winfield, you keep him around and, and you keep it going. But there was also, you know, and who knows with this stuff, um, obviously this can change, but there was a reported like deadline that came and went that this was when the Bucks had kind of, uh, we're going to break off extension talks with Mike Evans. And that was a couple of last week or a week and a half ago or something like that. So it sounds like Evans is going to hit the market. Now that also coincides with Baker Mayfield probably hitting the market. Um, right. And the Bucks have cap resources. They have $43 million in cap space. They're definitely one of these teams that's going to benefit from the cap going up this year. But, again, that's those are two guys that in Mayfield and Evans that could get blown away by big offers elsewhere. Um, and I, I think it, just Mayfield just because he plays quarterback. Like, and, sure. And who's to say that some team uh, that, that's just – thirsty for quarterbacks isn't gonna God, that would be psychotic go, it would it would not be what i would do but again you could see it happening psychotic. I, think, I think it'd be psychotic on baker's part too just because even though dave canales has gone like you found success now in tampa you've moved around uh -huh. so much you've had so many different coaching staffs and all this stuff <clears throat> maybe you just want to yeah. stick with what 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 which you had last year. Um, but the Evans part of it is definitely a concern here too. And I think, yeah. I wonder if the two situations kind of play, you know, kind of play into each other because does, I mean, Mike Evans loves the bucks. He's a bucks lifer that there's a, yep. they've been, that they've had a great relationship. He's been there forever since 2015. Great career. But I definitely think, again, there's some temptation of uh, Mike Evans, like, and, you know, maybe some team wants to come in. I mean, I just look at, like, the Lions are, are such an obvious candidate because they have $57 million in cap space, like, and they could use a vertical playmaker on the outside. I definitely think there's some team that could really blow Mike Evans away uh, with a big offer, even though he's an older player. And if they can, if the Bucks can't also retain Mayfield, too, I think they'll give him something to think about. Ultimately, I think – it's just hard for me to envision Mike Evans in another uniform, but I do think that there's, um, I do think there's at least a conversation to be had here. 
there's so many different teams that that obviously could use the services of Mike Evans. I don't even know if it's worth talking about all the teams because, golly, just Matt, you saw it this year, man. I mean, there was just so many teams desperate for outside X receiver play. Um, and Mike Evans, obviously one of the best to ever do it. You said you tracked him. Have you tracked him a little bit? <clears throat> I, I, don't, yes. I don't think you're through his full games. Oh, are you through no, his full? I, I am. Okay. I'm, I finished, oh, you finished are. this morning, actually, uh, in prep wow. for the pod. So, so I um, am excited. So tell me, what, what are we looking at here with Mike Evans? I mean, from a visual, especially from a highlight bias standpoint, no degradation of skills or explosiveness, man. But what do the RP numbers tell you, though? Yeah, so on the inverse of what we talked about with T. Higgins, where I think he had uh, potentially the worst year of his his four year career, Mike uh-huh. Evans definitely had one of his best seasons this wow. past year, man. Which is wow. Which you, you gotta love to see that. Uh, okay, so a couple of numbers here: seventy three point one percent success rate versus man. That was actually the best of his career. Wow. And again, this is a guy going back wow. to two thousand fourteen. Um, he had a seventy five point four percent success rate versus press, which was the second highest of his career, just narrowly losing well, not narrowly, but losing to his twenty twenty one career best of seventy nine point one percent. So Mike Evans had one of his best years last year um third best success rate uh versus zone and again this is a guy that like he's been around since rp's been a thing Uh, reception perception started tracking i started tracking full league-wide data in 2014 that was mike evans first year of his career so um you know i had a lot of experience with mike evans over the years and one thing i've always said about mike is that he is the most like of, of, in terms of superstar receivers, kind of like the most yeah. misunderstood guys because people think of him as just a big jump ball receiver. But this guy is an awesome route runner. I've actually had a conversation with Mike Evans about this very factor of like why his game gets kind of stereotyped as one of these big yeah. jump ball receivers. But he's got a, just an ability as a route runner, I think, that's really underrated. An ability as a technician, the un- understanding the technical part of game that that was the technical part of the game that was really. Um, just super underrated and this is this is a great thing if you're a Panthers fan pay attention to what I'm about to say right now because man the offensive coaching in Tampa Bay from a pass game standpoint was so encouraging and I think the biggest Mm. thing that you could take you can take and sort of compare and contrast here Mike Evans route tree in 2022 um, which I think really contributed to statistically a down season for him and statistically kind of a season that Got a lot of people not drafting, myself included, like not drafting him in fantasy. Obviously, there was yep. the Baker Mayfield factor, but you had to kind of wonder, like, all right, what's going on with Mike Evans here? Like, he was so volatile, but they had him run a go route in the 2022 Bucks offense on 27% of his routes. That yeah, dropped nuts. all the way down to 16.5% in the mm, first year with Dave Canales. His slant routes go up from 12.6% to 18.5%. Um, I mean, just the outbreaking routes too jump from eight point the simple out route eight percent of his routes in 2022, 15 percent. Um, and man, Mike Evans has been incredible on all those routes I just out, laid out there, like slants and outs and, and these type of things. Like he's been great on those routes throughout the course of his career in the Byron Leftwich offense. And you know who knows how much of this is what Tom Brady wants or whatever, but yeah. it was just so. Oh, like nauseatingly simple. Like I, I know again, Mike Evans, he is a dangerous deep threat. He can get the ball at any point, whatever. He's gonna he's gonna crush you on these routes. But 
Like, we don't have to have him running a go route on almost 30% of his routes. That's just, especially, <laughs> especially, and this is what makes me mad about it in, in, yeah. in, in, like, looking back at it, especially with the way Tom Brady was not trying to get hit, the way he was trying to get the ball out so fast and all that stuff. Right. It made no sense to do this with your best player. On the inverse there, the Bucks, they expand and grow his route tree and, like, have him run more slants and stuff like that because uh, that's what Baker Mayfield's going to benefit from getting the ball out quickly to a guy like Mike Evans or or he's able to again it just made so much more sense the usage for Evans last year um so combine that with the uh I I think just one of the best separation seasons we've seen from a guy who's already a really uh underrated and kind of misunderstood separator very encouraging 2023 results for Mike Evans it's just it's surprising, um, especially at this point in his career, uh, that they would reconfigure some of his routes, and especially to the degree that you're talking about, man. Um, I, I agree with you that in 2022, it just what are we doing out here with Mike Evans? You know, <laughs> like Tom Brady's getting the ball out in less than two seconds. Like, how the hell is that supposed to get? How are you supposed to get the ball to Mike Evans? It's literally impossible. Um, when he's running a go route too, James, th- those routes are not even going to be developed in in two seconds or whatever Brady was doing. It's insane. It's just crazy. Uh, so again, I- I'll ask you this. Um, obviously, he. Uh, put together a great season here. Uh, there's still a lot of juice left, a lot of tread on these tires. Um, you know, what, what is the upside for a player like this? What kind of deal do you think this guy gets, man? Again, I know he's looking for something that's very respectable. It's not going to be top of the market, man. But uh, again, I, I'm not. If, if it's anything less than, you know, 18 mil a year, I'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I would be stunned uh, if it came in that low. I, I agree with you on that. Um, Brad Spielberger, Brad Spielberger, excuse me, does a great job um, in in, uh, in PFF about like they do they do all the rankings there. He does a great job comparing like past free agents and, and their resumes and 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 to the current guys that are hitting the market to kind of give us like comparable contracts. Um, he compared Mike Evans's. Um, 2022 season to uh Kenny Galladay from 2021 uh who you know he ended up getting a monster deal and 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 I think that that's probably a guy that's gonna I think he could exceed that right um so so that's something that you know kind of gives you that um I think that, you know, like Devontae Adams just – he signed a big deal with the uh, Raiders as an aging player. Like, why couldn't Mike Evans ask for that same draft class? I don't know that he's going to get it, but that's like where I would put the asking price, and then you bring me down from there. Right, 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 right. Um, by the way, I, I found this to be interesting. I just looked this up <clears throat> uh, via Next Gen Stats. But, so he's running way fewer nine routes, obviously, in 2023 versus 2022. And what ended up happening, though, was that he ended up just having, again, more production across the board on deeper routes, right? So any, you know, any route that went over 20 air yards, he had more, he had more targets, he had more receptions, he had more yards, he had more touchdowns um, on, on, again, all targets over 20 yards in 2023 with Baker Mayfield versus 2022 with Tom freaking Brady, Right. So it's interesting when they reduced his number of of nine routes and gave him a more varied route tree. 
the exact opposite ended up happening is that when he ran those nine routes, when he ran those posts, when he ran the corner routes, he got the ball more. You know what I mean? So um, it, it, it's sometimes, man, um, I, I just, it, it's just, doesn't it make more sense too, Matt, where you're like, yeah, you know, if we mix it up and the coverage doesn't know exact, the defense doesn't know exactly what this guy's going to do, we could actually probably unlock him down the field instead of just throwing him into a brick wall over and over again. Well, and I do think it's worth saying that, you know, Tom Brady of 2022 just wasn't the same Tom Brady that we've been accustomed to. So that's where, like, obviously in name and in, in name value, it's shocking to say, like, yeah, he was better with Baker Mayfield from a production standpoint. Um, but, like, Baker played really well last oh, no, year he did. in Tampa Bay. Oh, he did. And yeah. I think the pass protection was better. People don't talk about this enough with that Bucks offense that they took Tristan Wirfs, who'd been a star at right tackle, and moved him to left tackle, which is a risky proposition, even though he had played on the left side in college. Like, still, it's a, you know, you're just moving a guy around a lot, whatever. Um, but he was awesome, was Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. And then Luke Hideki kind of had a really good year at right tackle. Like, that offensive line just played much better overall than people were expecting which gives baker the time to sit there and let those deep routes develop and yeah you could not be more right that when you're not just it's it's similar with running backs right like the the slam in the head over and over again three yards in a cloud of dust like the, when yeah. you're not just running that guy into the safeties down the field and you're actually being smart about it um the way they design those routes for like these big plays off play action as well, which they were much better about running play action right. this year than the previous or last year as opposed to that 2022 Bucks offense. So that can't be understated in terms of being a big part of what's going on here. Um, yeah, it, again, this is all just like another feather in the cap for for Dave Canales, who I've, I've said like, I'm pretty high on as an offensive yeah. play caller, an offensive designer. He's obviously not going to be in Tampa, so all of this stuff is like, we'll see how that, like Liam Cohen comes back. From <laughs> we'll see. Oh, boy. Going back and forth between pro-college, pro-college. Oh like he, Now he's the offensive coordinator there in Tampa. That is kind of an unknown. We'll, we'll see about all that. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. for Mike Evans, just like any team that needs an outside X receiver, if he hits the market, like – I, I do keep coming back to the Lions because, man, that would be so sick. Ooh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, just, it really feels like, you know, Josh Reynolds is up for free agency this year. It's like, imagine they take out Josh Reynolds and they throw in Mike Evans. Like, I mean, that, no disrespect to Josh Reynolds, or Josh Reynolds, who's a solid player, but like, yeah. that's just taking your offense up a notch. Um, the Titans and Commanders have a bunch of cap space, but like, I mean, come on, Mike Evans would yeah. not be going to. You wouldn't if you're Mike Evans and, and you're getting blown away by a big offer from the Titans or Commanders. Like, let, let's just let's just let, let's be choosy about where where, where we're going. <laughs> if we're going to upend our life, um, those are not two teams I uh -huh. would think about going to. But yeah, I mean, uh, the the <clears> Lions again come back to it. The Texans have a ton of cap space, but do they need a receiver? You can argue that for sure. I, I think they're probably set at that position. Um, Quietly, the Rams also have a lot of cap space, and they're sort of yeah. in that window, right? Um, I know they just kind of swung and miss on Allen Robinson when he was an aging free agent, but like Mike is coming off a, a much better year than Robinson was when he hit free agency, and it, like that's a a pretty natural fit there. So, and obviously, there's the Chiefs. Everybody talks about the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. have they don't have the oodles and oodles of cap space right now that some of these teams do, but they could restructure Pat Mahomes. They can move some money around. I know they have big defensive free agents to consider here too, yeah. but still, obviously, I think they they 
should and would get in the mix at least a call on Mike Evans if he was. Yeah, they they hundred percent should. Um, that's obviously the the obvious one because of <clears throat> uh, the Super Bowl champs. I think the Ravens, to be honest mm. with you, should make the call. Um, <clears throat> this is a team that has spent the second fewest amount of their cap space on wide receivers. Right, the Falcons have spent, uh, and again, obviously, this is because Drake London's on a rookie deal, but eight point five million dollars on wide receivers uh, in twenty twenty four. Baltimore Ravens have uh, nine point six million, you know, locked into wide receivers as well. So, uh, and that's the second lowest in the NFL according to to Spotrack. So, this is a team that, again, you put him in there with Zay Flowers, and, and they try to find a little bit of magic here with Odell. Move on from Odell, bring in Mike yeah. Evans. And, uh, and and pair him up with Zay Flowers. And, man, yeah, we could be cooking with something here, man. You know, I, look, I, I know they want to get a little something-something with Odell and, and, and obviously the injuries uh, to, to Bateman, uh, I, I think, are starting to take their toll too. But how about Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Mike Evans going along with the reigning MVP? Come on, let's go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential to mix up routes for guys like Bateman and, and Evans and kind of have their roles be a little interchangeable because that was what was cool about um, the Bucks last year. Obviously, you know, you're mostly running Mike Evans out as a pure outside receiver X, yeah. you know, because he's because he's that guy. Um, but you, there are also times in Tampa last year where they did move him around the formation. 23.9% of the snaps I sampled, he was in the slot. Um, that was a nice number to see for him. Um, you know, you can get opportunities for Zay. Like, I think Zay Flowers is a guy who could play all three positions. I think oh, yeah. Rashad Bateman oh, yeah. is a guy who could play all three positions. And um, so you can have these guys sort of do different things. And, yeah, I mean, I, I still think Bateman's a really fantastic route runner. He's 
definitely been a guy that's it's lost some explosiveness and all that type of stuff. So yeah. um, I think there's still something there with Bateman. There, there will probably decline his fifth year option, but keep him around uh, to maybe mm-hmm. grow under a guy like Mike Evans. I, I love love that signing. It would be definitely be because I think they're de- Baltimore. It feels like every year they need a receiver, but they still need a receiver. Um, <laughs> they do. They just always end up drafting them, and then yeah. you know that player ends up, other than Zay Flowers, uh, ends up you know becoming like a bust or injury marred or whatever. And that's been the kind of the way. So I can't imagine them using another like early draft pick on a receiver, but um, they definitely because Beckham, I I think probably is not coming back to this team, or mm, if he does, yeah, he, it does so. going to be on a, a much lower role, and like. Once we get past Mike Evans, who probably hits the open market, then we're, you know, the next best guy is like Calvin Ridley. I don't think they need another like small separator. Um, you know, you're talking about like Marquise Brown. I, I don't think he's about to be a Raven. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think. And then it's like Gabe Davis. We don't need a Gabe Davis type. Like, let's shoot for the moon with Mike Evans. I like that call. By yeah. You. Um, okay. So what are your thoughts here going from the program to the collegiate game here? But Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know. This was a little bit eyebrow raising. Like I get it. Like he's a second gener. He's going to be a second generation pro. He probably feels like maybe his dad feels like oh, I know the business enough, and you know I can navigate you to into the right direction. But Marvin Harrison Jr. Matt not hiring an agent, which I think is fine, especially given the rookie pay scale. Um, but then also declining to test at the combine, which. Okay, you know, you start adding these things up. You're like, all right, I, I got an eyebrow raised now. But then he also said he's not going to run at the pro day at OSU. <laughs> yeah. Hold up now. Wait a second now. <laughs> now, now that now for sure my eyebrows are raised here. Okay. Like we haven't really seen that for a player who is not injured, especially for a player that's not a quarterback. Now we've seen sometimes quarterbacks opting not to do certain things along the way, which is fine. All these players have a right to do that. But I, I definitely, my antenna was raised here, okay, when, when I heard the trifecta of no agent, no combine, no pro day. I think there have been a couple of other prospects that have done this recently, I, I, like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Uh, Waddle wasn't 100% healthy, but Devonta Smith, right. I think, realized that there's nothing to nothing. There's well, for for and and Harrison's a much uh, higher rated prospect than even Smith was, who just won the friggin' right. Heisman. Um, like because there were other, there was Jamar Chase in that class and and everything, and and Devonta, I believe, went you know like eleventh overall to to the Eagles, but Harrison, I think, is going to be a top five pick. I think these guys just in their head, there's nothing really to gain and there is a little bit to lose uh which you could sit here and ask yourself like well are you why are you concerned about something to lose or whatever like hey well marvin harrison why don't you just go light up the combine make everybody or or your pro day because the combine i can get um because there are other yeah the combine is is correct we're gonna have we're gonna have to have a, a kind of a come to jesus moment about the combine here soon because it's so much more manicured and orchestrated than it ha- even has been um in the past because agents are involved now about like, all right, well, you know, you're going to blow this drill. Just don't run it. Like don't, don't even do it. The fact that they moved the testing back so that it could be more of a TV event. That's another thing. Um, So, and what I think people don't realize is that this is, and and this was sort of in the kind of announcement about Marvin Harrison is that he's not going to train for the combine or train for his pro day because he's going to continue to train to be an NFL wide receiver, Um, which 
I get that because <laughs> I think what people don't realize is uh -huh. like to run a 40 yard dash and run it really well. Like you do have to train. You have to, like the track sure. guys know what they're doing, but like you, you got to work on the start. You got like, this is something that these guys literally train for. So Harrison is just doing like the, what do you need to see me do a track event for? Just go watch the film because that's the stuff I'm working on um, uh, all, all year long. And, like, I, I do kind of get that. The quarterbacks are not – a lot of these quarterbacks are not testing at the combine. Like, Caleb Williams mm -hmm. is not throwing. Jaden Daniels is not even going to run. I would think that he, he, would, he would run. Um, but all this does tell me is that, yeah, like – I have I don't have questions about Marvin Harrison that I need to see answered at the combine, but it does tell me that in the back of him and his team and all like because whether he has an age or not, I, it doesn't matter. Like he still has a team of people around, yeah, him, including his sure. father. They're all like, we don't want you going out there running a four or five, and then it's like a ta it's a talking point, right? Because oh, Marvin Harrison, I thought he was a big freak, whatever. Now he runs damn you know four or five at the freaking combine, and people freak out about it. <laughs> Uh, like meanwhile, I think Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze are going to test, and they're probably going to light yeah. that thing up. Right? I just don't think they even want to have that conversation, so they're just not going to do it. I don't know, man. I mean, I I get it. You know, work on the football skills. Football skills greater than the forty time. Of course, of course, no one's saying it's not. No one's saying it's not. But at the same time, but James Cole loves himself a forty time, and he he especially. Especially a big, uh, a big receiver. Like I need I mean, it. I need, need it, damn it. it. If anybody needs it, <laughs> I need it. All right, all right. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I need it. All right. Inject that into my veins, baby. No, but I mean, again, it's part of the process, man. I don't know. Just again, if it was one of those things, I don't care. If it was two of those things, I kind of sort of don't. It's all three of those. Like, you're not going to run at the pro day too now. Now, see, no, that that, that yeah. seems a little bit odd to me. You know. Um, a lot of these guys opt not to, to run at the combine. That's cool. You know, that's fine. You want to run the fastest time possible? Great. Do it at the pro day. This guy's not going to run at the pro day. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything. And he's just like, well, you seen my tape? Go draft me. I was like, all right, well, I mean, there's something there, I guess. But, man, I, I don't know. Like I said, I just, my, my antennas are raised here uh, for Marvin yeah. Harrison. That's all. I feel you. It's, it's weird and it's different. I do. Again, this is just, I think, what's, what is going to become of the process. Um I kind of have mixed feelings on the whole like GPS time thing, but I think more and more you're going to see teams not look receive. I'm sorry to tell you, James, but like the 40 time for receivers mostly doesn't even really matter uh, for, for, for the most part. It is for the it's most fun part. To, it's fun to see. Um, I, I'm in support oh, yeah. of the combine just because like I want to see this is why we like sports, right? It's crazy to see human beings do some crazy stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what we like. That's exciting, and it's fun. I think the combine is fun because of that. But um, whether Marvin Harrison was a four-five-zero guy or a four-four-five guy, like that, to me, is not going to move the needle, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I do know who the player is, and I think these teams will have access to GPS numbers and all that. Um, and and apparently, that stuff's all like his previous testing stuff that teams have access to, like where he mm -hmm. has worked out before. Um, I, I saw, I, I'll pull it up here on, on Twitter while we're talking. Cause it was, it was everywhere uh, this morning. Right. You know um, it's teams are going to feel comfortable standing on that. And we're not going to get that information for everybody on the outside. It's not always going to leak. Um, so yeah, this is from Albert Breer's uh, article, I believe 
um, is where this is from. But, you know, Harrison had weighed in previously at 6'3", 206. He benched 380 pounds this offseason, doing reps at 225. Good um, Lord. What? 3.94 pro shuttle <laughs> oh time, uh, 10.9 on the broad jump, uh, oh. 23 miles per hour on the GPS. Let's go. Um, so, I, again, I'm pretty sure that was from uh, – this Albert Breer article, but yeah, so this Good is night. the stuff that, that teams are gonna, like, again, Marvin Harrison, his team's gonna be like, see, you have this 23 miles an hour on the GPS and you know, I'm this big guy. You don't yep. need to see me run in the 40 and I don't need to waste my time training for this event, <laughs> training to be a track go. athlete. When I'm on, I want to say you're in train to be a great football player. That's their argument. And yeah, again, you know, people can feel about yeah. it one way or another. <clears throat> Um, I, I will say this too. Uh, the great Lance Zerline uh, did bring up a great point that you know, as you mentioned, you know, Malik Neighbors probably going to test out the out the freaking gym, right? <laughs> like it's going to be great. Uh, and there are teams that view Neighbors as potentially a, a better prospect than Marvin Harrison. If Marvin Harrison doesn't care about where he gets drafted, um, you know, because he knows he's going somewhere in the top eight, then I guess. You know, from a logical standpoint, who cares if neighbors ends up getting drafted ahead of me? What, what, what do I care if I get drafted fourth or fifth or sixth? You know, what difference does it make? Which I get. Um, but again, I just like I said, it's just it's just different, man. It's just different. You know, these guys usually do care about getting drafted. I want to be the first wide receiver drafted. I want to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to get drafted as high as possible. I'm just saying it's just different, man. It's just it different. different. The, you know? the, dude, this is a different world that we live in now, man. I'm so telling you, these the, these things are going to start to change um, yeah. from the outside perspective. Uh, so I'll just say this on this this top three receivers this year. Yeah. Um, I think they're all great. Uh, I think people are going to waste time arguing about, well, Malik Neighbors is my wide receiver one. Uh-huh. Harvard Harrison is my wide receiver two. Or oh, yeah, I have yeah, this yeah. guy... One, these my one A, and this guy's my one B. Hate to tell, hate to break it to you, folks. Uh, and I've definitely done the one A, one B thing. Uh, I have since canceled one A, one B. We don't do that on reception perception anymore. Okay, okay. Because you want to know what? A is the first letter of the alphabet, and there B is. is the second letter of the there alphabet. So what you're there saying is. there is that there guy's is. number one, and this guy's number two. Okay, so so just from my my exposure to these guys, and and you know this is I've only charted a handful of games. I'm not through the full samples yet, but the way things are tracking, I'm going to yeah. give top 10 rankings to all three of these guys, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison, who I said earlier is going to rip up the combine. He's apparently not, he's actually not going to run until his pro day. So keep, keep that in mind. So we won't see him tear up the combine, but um, I, like where these guys rank, like one, two, three, I don't care. I, I think I'm not sitting here like going to, fight you on you like Malik neighbors and I like Marvin Harris Jr. That, that stuff's a waste of time. Honestly, all of it's probably going to be dictated by circumstance who ends up being the best player anyway. Totally uh, so. landing spots way more important. Oh my goodness. Yeah. People who try to like say, Oh no, you shouldn't change your dynasty rankings or whatever based on landing spot. Yeah, you should. Okay. Like just talking imagine about you, you <laughs> there you are should. stupid things you what? can do about it. And this actually is a great example. Like, uh-huh. You should never have ranked Quentin Johnson ahead of Zay Flowers just because he went to just just because he went to Justin Herbert. Quentin Johnson was not as good of a prospect as Zay Flowers. Okay, like that is not hindsight analysis. You can go look at anything I said about those guys at yeah. the time. Right, uh, right, right. People were definitely too high on Quentin Johnson. That just is what it is. Now on the flip side, though, this year because I think all three of these guys are top ten ranked players, whatever. Like 
One guy goes to, uh, I don't know, let's just be extreme here and say the Patriots at pick three. And then another guy goes, the Chargers are like, I actually don't even want to say this just because I want people to mentally prepare for the fact that they are either taking a tackle or trading down. They're not going to take one of these receivers. So like get your, <laughs> get your heart, mind and soul ready for that to happen. But just hypothetically, one of these receivers goes to the Chargers at the fifth pick all things being equal, talent pretty close. You're going to want the guy that goes to the Chargers more than the guy that goes to the Patriots 100%. catching passes from uh, Russell Wilson or something this year, okay? So um, that's just where we're at. It's like it, – and and then in the mainstream, you know, kind of zeitgeist of ranking players and comparing players, whoever ends up going to that better landing spot is going to have a better career and be the, quote, better player. Um, but because, again, I think all things being equal, these three guys are very, very close. And how you rank one over the other is probably going to come down to like style and what you like in receivers. I mean, to your point, though, <clears throat> basically when we're talking about dynasty rankings, if there's a huge talent gulf, then obviously the landing spot, you know, it, it all factors into it. It's the landing spot, the talent gulf, like all these things, you, you throw them into the pot, right? And, and that's how you end up with some of these dynasty rankings, man. It's not, it's not linear. I mean, and I'll say this too, more than any other sport, especially like basketball, the prospect is the prospect in basketball. LeBron's going to be LeBron. It don't matter. He goes to Cleveland. It don't matter if he goes to New York. It don't matter. LeBron's going to be LeBron. You know what I mean? But in football, it matters. You know, it's not like Malik yeah. Neighbors or whatever. He can't throw the ball to himself for God's sakes. I mean, you know, I hate to. Uh, I hate to, uh, you know, quote Tom Brady's ex-wife and everything, but, you know, he can't throw the ball to himself, okay? Uh, anyways, so I don't know. All that stuff does matter. Uh, but, yeah, I, my, 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 my antennas were raised when I heard that Marvin Harrison wasn't going to do the pro day, the, the combine, and not hiring agent. I'm like, okay, he hit, all, he hit the trifecta here. I'm like, all right, we, we'll move on. Um, James is just pissed that he's not running a 40 because he wanted to see it. Oh, hundred, him, dude, don't, 100%. Don't let him lie. <laughs> 100%. Dude, are you kidding me? Of course. I need that time. All right, I need that time, damn it. Um, anyways, um, all right, speaking of the college game, bro, how batshit crazy is it? And people aren't talking about this enough. Eric Bieniemy going back to college. He's going to be the UCLA OC of all things. Like, what? Eric Bieniemy? I mean, yeah, golly. And and if you think about this guy's career trajectory too, I don't want to say he fumbled the bag, bro, but like we're talking about he left the KC organization because people weren't giving him enough credit in Kansas City for being, you know, an offensive architect or whatever, right? Because as long as you got Andy Reid there, he's always going to garner all the credit. Eric Bieniemy wanted to be a head coach in the NFL. Kudos to him. He then goes to Washington uh, to work with Ron Rivera, which I thought, hey, smart move. Okay, ain't, ain't nobody gonna give offensive architect, you know, flowers to 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 you know Riverboat Ron for God's sakes, right? So if if Washington's offense does well, Eric Bieniemy gets all the credit. Um, immediately the you know the offseason reports weren't that great about Eric Bieniemy, and and you know, and then obviously we've got some you know quarterbacking issues here and there um, with Washington. But man, I no one ever saw this man going from. Washington's OC to the UCLA OC, like that's crazy to me. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, this is the risk in in what Eric Bieniemy did, like we're saying, because no question about it, uh, there was there was obviously the limiting factor in Kansas City that you want to put down his resume, or like Super Bowl winning OC, you know, on the right. staff of, with Pat Mahomes, the whole thing. Well, Andy Reid's really the mastermind of it. Now, obviously, I think most people will point out the hypocrisy, and this is very true, that like Matt Nagy never faced those accusations. Doug Peterson never faced those accusations. 100%. 100%. Um, and, 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 and everything that comes with, the, with, with all that, like those guys didn't have to stand down that. Bay. Those guys got head coaching jobs because they were on the Chiefs staff. Okay? Um, I, so it was always hard to parse out the credit there. So I think in Eric Bieniemy's mind, he's like, all right, I'm going to go to Washington. Like you said, if the offense is good in Washington, he will get all the credit. He will be able to build his resume off that. Right. The problem is, though, the offense wasn't good in good. Washington, right, man. Right, 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 right. They were, and we've talked about that a lot on this show. Um, I think that the design flaws of the offense were worse, in my opinion, than the quarterback play. Um, and obviously, I you know I called Sam Howell's st- stats uh, fake or yeah. You know, Empty calories. Empty calories. Washington fans. Empty calories, Washington yeah. fans didn't like it. And oh, they lost. Not it. that it matters. Not that it matters because <laughs> Sam Howell's not going to be your quarterback, so you shouldn't you shouldn't care about it at all anymore God, at this Jesus point. Um, but unbelievable. The, they ended up it, it, on the year 18th in offensive success rate, and they were 25th in EPA per play. They were not a above average offense last year. They had no. protection issues, which I think. Some of that's on Sam Howe. Some of that is on the offensive coordinator. Your guy is taking an absurd amount of sacks. Help him out, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we don't need. Also, we don't need Terry McLaurin running clear out routes for Byron Pringle and Deami Brown. Like, we Ugh. really don't need that, okay? No. So there was just a lot of issues in this offense in Washington, and just like when all the spotlight is on you and, and the the you would get all the credit if it was good. Well, now there's no one else to pass the buck to great point it stops with you and and this was a failed experiment i do think he maybe maybe eric bianami would have landed in a better spot if um if you know washington's coaching staff took a long time to come together because they were clearly i i think holding out for ben johnson then ben johnson kind of sort of leaves them at the altar so they pivot to dan quinn and cliff kingsbury and all that um and and now, Bianami said he left Washington. They didn't leave him. I, I don't know. You know, I know he took God. some interviews elsewhere. I think like Chicago talked to him potentially about their OC job. But right. yeah, again, I think the, this comes down to the fact that he had a shot to, to really prove himself. And, you know, for some reasons that were not his fault, a lot of reasons that I, I think were his fault, that proving ground, that, that proving season didn't go very well. I, I don't know. The, the, Certain players, I think, have, have come out, and it's been a little bit mixed bag in regards to Eric Bieniemy. Some some players have really said he's great. Other players have said, see, I told you. Uh, this is what was going to happen. So, I don't know. It hasn't been – it's not as if all the players are gushing about him. You know, I think he's yeah. been very – I think with his coaching style, too, I think he has been very – 
polarizing. I think he's been a very polarizing person. Uh, and, yeah, and like he said, there player. were reports or in coach. training camp that what he was like just too hard on. I mean, he was super yep. hard on the guys, and they went yep. to Rivera and were like, "Hey, you know, this is is not." And and that's whatever you think about that or not. Um, like, there's definitely, and I think good coaches have come to realize this. Like, there's a way you handle players now that's different than you know five sure. ten years ago, and and you know. I think, some, like I said, I think good coaches across the league have have kind of have have come to terms with that, and they act differently yeah. towards players. And you know, enemy style was definitely described as like old school and and kind of harsh, um, yep. and very demanding. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, we'll see how that works. And you could do that in college, right? You can be really hard on these guys because yeah, it's college. Sure. So maybe he ends up being, and he's 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 had some coaching experience in college too. So um, yeah, it's I, I just, just crazy. Think, who does it's, who? does this man when you are i don't know i I don't want to say he's on a short list but you know he's on the cusp sir even after the 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 failure in washington i would say he's certainly on like a a list of like what 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 would it be like 20 guys 25 guys that you would consider for a head coaching position you know now he seemingly for the past you know four or five years has always been Oh, we love Eric Bieniemy, but we we like this guy more, right? Yeah. Um, but he's certainly still on the list. And, and by the way, I'm not trying to throw shade at UCLA. My wife went to UCLA. Like I love UCLA. Like I'm a big Pac-12 honk. Okay, I love UCLA. But he's going to UCLA. <laughs> okay, like he's gonna. I mean, this is a place that just hired a 44 year old first time head coach in the great Deshaun Foster. We love him in fantasy. All right, or whatever Foster. might have been. Oh, hey, listen, Deshaun we Foster. love Deshaun Foster. Love okay, we love Deshaun Foster. All right, but keep in mind, UCLA is the place that Chip Kelly left. He yeah, left the head coaching gig to be an OC. <laughs> At Ohio State, that's how not desirable this job is. Chip Kelly was a, ho- a head coach, and he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to be an OC somewhere at Ohio State. That's crazy to me, bro. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, UCLA is not that desirable of a destination. Not only you not the head coach, Matt. So, And that's the other thing. If you want to be the head coach at UCLA, all right, I get it. Right, like you're gonna pe- you're gonna put a- put that on the resume. Hey, listen, I was a head coach. I understand what it takes to be a head coach. Get it, got it, love it. No, he's being the OC for the fir- uh, a 44 year old first time head coach in Deshaun Foster at UCLA. Man, man, that is that's not a good look, man. That is not a good look. I- I'm actually stunned. I was stunned and shocked that Eric Bieniemy would take this job. Yeah, I think maybe he looks at it as well. Again, I think the timing of when all this went down, like all most of the all, all the offensive coordinator jobs were were filled because right. um, Washington was one of the last to hire Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. So um, I think there just wasn't a seat at the table available to be a coordinator. And, and right. did he want to go back to the Chiefs? And you know, you're not going to demote Matt Nagy down to, back to quarterbacks coach, and then like, all right, now Eric Bieniemy's back to being the offensive coordinator. So it's like. Do you take a, a lesser role on the staff as mm. like senior offensive analyst or something like that? Because um, I, I think that's what he would have had to settle to, to settle for to stay in the NFL. And I, I think if you're going to be generous about this, and I don't know if he thought about it this way, but I would be thinking about it this way. If I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm looking, um, who Eric Bieniemy refers to himself in the third person anyway, so he would he would actually say <laughs> this. If I'm, which 
By the way, red flag. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, anyways. big time, big time red flag. Big red flag. Big time. Big red flag. Time. If I'm if I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking, all right, like Eric Bieniemy's offense was not that good last year. I actually think that maybe going down to the college level and infusing it with some new ideas because that looked like a old stale offense last year like very basic drop back stuff stuff that didn't really work together um maybe he can go down to the college level and like kind of infuse that with some new ideas but that's not as much as it like appealing as it used to be man because so much of what works in college doesn't track to the nfl um that's problematic i think the way again the way you deal with players is just so different on the two levels um i i don't know man maybe he ends up being a really good college coach but uh yeah it's it's definitely a it's a tough move i was surprised man uh by the way we mentioned deshaun foster i had to go look this up okay um long time panther as we know uh john fox was his yeah there you go john fox was his head coach uh, played with Jake DeLome almost exclusively as his quarterback there. His best year, Deshaun Foster, came in 2005, uh, 1250 total. So uh, 1,251 total yards there. Uh, three touchdowns. Was never a big touchdown guy was Deshaun Foster. Uh, averaged 4.3 yards per carry in that 2005 season. But 1251, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Um, and, yeah, what was it? A six? I think it was a six-year career in the NFL for Deshaun Foster. So anyways, I know people were wondering about that. Like, I, I've heard Deshaun yeah. Foster. How do I remember that name? There you go. That's how you remember that name. Foster lived like the full life cycle of a fantasy running back, which is like, you definitely have your moment in the, and this is like weird Panthers Lord, you know, from the days when I was really a big <laughs> okay. fan, but um, uh-huh. he, he, you know, he lived long enough to be like a, well, yeah, 2005, he was a really exciting um, you know, second round pick, I believe, by the by the Carolina Panthers, and like he had his moments, like yeah, let's get this guy the ball and like mix it up because they had Stephen Davis who had in two thousand five five hundred forty nine yards and twelve touchdowns, three point one yards per carry. It's like all right, you know, Foster gives him a little a little something. But then by two thousand seven, the Panthers had used a first round pick on a guy named D'Angelo Williams, and if you were oh, watching, yeah. if you were if you were stupid enough to be watching uh, Panthers football back then. <sighs> You just all you wanted was more D'Angelo Williams because that guy was so I mean, he was like he was so good. He was just clearly a guy that was explosive, could do a ton. And you just look at that 2007 stat line, uh, 3.5 yards per carry for uh, for Deshaun Foster. Yeah. 5.0 for D'Angelo. Williams. So every running back eventually becomes like. Oh, enough of this guy. Let's let's get the next one in there. Like that that is classic fantasy football yeah. stuff. And then obviously D'Angelo they move on from Deshaun Foster that offseason. Uh they actually draft Jonathan Stewart, but still D'Angelo Williams in 2008 <laughs> led the league with 18 rushing touchdowns the next year. Wow. Uh by the way, man, I'm looking at this 2007 Panthers roster. Wow. What what a what a roster. Okay. First of that all, that was an awful year of Panthers. Dude, <laughs> what? Okay, first of all, Jake DeLong Okay, was was a quarterback, but they also played David Carr, Vinny Testaverde, and Matt Moore. Oh my God, you yeah. had no chance. Listen, you had no I, I chance. Don't blame, I, I don't blame anybody for uh, turning off the podcast at this point. <laughs> that we're talking about this, but people don't remember. Like Jake Delhomme in 2007 came out and was pitching heat in those first three games. Eight touchdowns to one interception. Wow. Um, 8.6 adjusted yards per attempt, a 100.8 passer rating. And then he promptly messed up his elbow and had to have Tommy John surgery. Um, oh. And was 
it was out for the rest of the year. And yeah, then they they had Vinny Test. They had David 44, Carr, I think. 44 years old, yeah. Vinny Testaverde. Woo! They had to call him out of retirement because David Carr, God bless him, was such a disaster. That was David Carr's like second team because he busted out with the Texans. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then, yeah, Vinny Testaverde comes out there and he was terrible. Good Five touchdowns, Lord. six picks. And then they get Matt Moore out there and it was kind of like, yeah, Matt let's Moore. see what Matt Moore's got, who's an undrafted rookie free agent. So again, oh I, I really don't blame anybody for for uh for turning off the podcast at this point but that was how that ended and then delone comes back in 2008 and was um you know they, not, they ended not, up going yeah. they yeah not good they ended up going on a, a bit of a run uh because the 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 team was great that i mentioned that run game but yeah delone not a not a fun ending to that season in 2008 oh my uh, goodness the, uh, uh, arizona cardinals in the playoffs by the way one of your favorite players was on this team steve smith senior obviously uh, 148 targets, 87 receptions, 1,000 yards. But, man, <clears throat> I'm looking at who played behind him, bro. Oh, Kerry Colbert, Dwayne Jarrett. This was those, those, those long string of USC wide receivers that just completely flamed out uh, in the NFL. But Kerry Colbert and Dwayne Jarrett. Oh, my goodness. Uh, who was uh, Drew? Who the hell is Drew, Drew Carter. Carter? Drew Carter, baby. Jeff King who is second Drew on that Carter? team in 2007 with 80 targets. 80? Jeff King. Oh, my uh, God. F- remember, do you remember your favorite uh, Jeff King playing the NFL? No, you no. don't. Of course you don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course about? you don't. <laughs> who is, I don't even know who Drew Carter is, for God's sake. What? What's going on here? This is great. Uh, yeah, everyone's turning off the podcast by now, but that's yeah, okay. Please, God, if you if you if you're still if you're still listening to this, let us know that you've made it to the end of the podcast oh to, to hear about the 2007 Carolina Panthers. What True a disaster fan. of a season! Unbelievable. Okay, so there's that's the show. Man. Um, yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot, obviously, a lot more charting data out here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe was it? Was that? I don't know. Was it, I, I think we had some good stuff over the course of this podcast. Oh my god! I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that it ended well. Talking we'll about Kerry Colbert to finish it out. Uh, you don't think that was? <laughs> you don't think that was a good? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, what a show! Uh, well, yeah. Well, what what a show we had here uh, today. What a roundabout show we had. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Anyways. Um, we're going to catch you guys here in a couple of days. Actually, sans Matt, I'm going to be here with the guest, uh, TBD on the guest. Okay. But we'll have a guest here, uh, in the next couple of days. Matt's taking care of some things, but he will be back on the podcast next week. But till then, man, we appreciate y'all for Matt Harmon. I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right. Peace. <laughs>